Well, this is a famous passage in Matthew's Gospel. We're coming to the end of Matthew's Gospel. We're at chapter 28. And if you have a Bible, the summary, the titles above text passages, uh, most of them will say the summary of the law or the great commandment. Uh, Jesus' answer to the lawyer's question, the law being the law of Moses, so those laws that Israel should be adhering to, uh, they'd figured out there were 613 of those in all of the works of Moses. And Jesus says, this is the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So these two foci, love of God and love of fellow man, encapsulates all of the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on the mountain. The first four of those commandments concern our relationship with God, and the last six uh, relate to our relationships to our fellow man. One of the early church fathers said this, Love is the most basic demand of the law. All the rest is commentary. Love is the most basic demand of the law. And by putting these two passages together, Jesus has placed the foundation of our life on the principle of love. Love for God, love for for our fellow man. And this is not external to Jesus. It's not an external law that he is trying, pulling himself up by his bootstraps to follow. Jesus embodies this love. Jesus embodies love of God, love of God the Father, and he embodies the love of his fellow man. In his true humanity and his true divinity, he is the embodiment of love. He shows forth the character of love in the Trinitarian God. And he is about to show what that love looks like. As we go further on into Matthew's gospel, it looks like Jesus going to the cross and dying for us. And the amazing thing is, is that neither is it an external law for us to love. Because once we have been baptized into Jesus's death and resurrection, we are enchristed. We are incorporated into Christ and God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so these words like transformation and sanctification, these theological words, are what it means to cooperate with the Holy Spirit within us so that our character becomes the character of Jesus, which is the character of love. So the more that we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit within us, the more we are transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit into the likeness of Christ. 
But that cooperation requires an act of our will. It's not forced upon us. We're free will children of God. And so we have to make a decision to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit within us. But it also requires that we completely trust that God does love us. Because our love for God comes out of recognizing God's first love for us. We love him because he first loved us. And the spirit that dwells in us is, is the one that, that connects us to God himself and to his love. So through the prophet, the Lord said, a new heart I will put within you, a new spirit I will put within you. It won't be that we will look at the law externally. A new law I will put within your hearts. I'll put the law into your very person through the power of my Holy Spirit. And that happens to us at baptism. But you know, there are times when people will come to me and I think it happens to us all at some degree or another where we start to question whether or not God really loves me, loves you. Does God really love me? Does, can he get past the things that I've done, uh, who I am? Um, but God... God's love is who he is. It's absolutely not determined by who we are. God's love is unchangeable, steadfast, settled, unchanging, unfathomable. You get it. All of those things. It's not determined. It doesn't change with what we do, with what we say, with who we are, God's love is just settled for us. It will never change. And when I'm asked that question, this is my challenge. You have to go through the cross. You've got to look at the cross because all of those questions come eventually to the cross we should never get used to the cross it should never just become this piece of jewelry it should always remind us of the passion of christ and that this was choice he was not coerced he went there of his own accord And he went there for each one of us. It was a choice of love. And so wherever your question takes you, and and listen, it's okay to question. Some, Some Christian denominations don't allow that questioning. But it's okay to question. But the questions always have to go 
to the cross. God, are you a good God? Go to the cross. Do you love me? Go to the cross. Because the cross ultimately shows us the amazing love of God. He gave up glory to come and dwell amongst us, to be human, to sacrifice himself for us. Julian of Norwich, an early English mystic, she was the first woman of letters in England, writing in the 1300s during a time when the plague was halving the population of Europe, and in particular the area of Norfolk where she happened to live. And she was um, on her deathbed, and she was looking at a crucifix, and she was looking at Jesus on the crucifix and she'd been given the last rites and she could feel the life actually dying within her from her feet up she was slowly she could tell that she was dying but as she looked at the cross she received these 16 revelations of divine love and as she contemplated Christ dying on the cross she understood this she said I saw that the love in him that he has for our soul was so strong that willingly he chose the passion with great desire and humbly he suffered it with great joy, with great satisfaction. Then she heard Jesus ask her, Art thou well satisfied that I suffered for thee? Hear Jesus ask you the same question. Are you well satisfied that I suffered for thee? If thou art satisfied, I am satisfied. It is a joy, a bliss, an endless delight to me that ever I suffered the passion for thee. And if I could suffer more, I would suffer more. And in these words, says Julian, I saw truly that as often as he could die, so often he would. And love would never let him have rest until he had done it. It is God's will that we have true delight with him in our salvation And in that, he wishes us to be mightily comforted and strengthened. And thus he wills that with his grace, our soul be happily engaged. For we are his bliss. For in us, he delights without end. The creator of all that is delights in you loves you look to the cross and see the love of God for you and it's out of that place that love for God dwells up wells up within us but not only that says Jesus We are not only to look at the cross and recognize this depth of love of God for us, 
But out of that love, out of that welling up of love, we are to love our fellow man, not as an external law, but as who we are with Christ dwelling in us. And if God's love for mankind is shown ultimately in his sacrificial death for our salvation, then what must be the love that we show our neighbor but to introduce the neighbor who might not know that love to the lover of their souls also so that they might also know the work of salvation and the love of God of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us and being raised again. I've been reading a book called Growing Young. It's about um, growing the church young. It's about how do we invite young people into the church to create an environment, a character of the church that is open uh, to young people coming into the life of the congregation. And it tells a story about a pastor 50 years ago who'd kind of settled that kind of a character in his church. Fast forward to 50 years later in the early 2000s, and there's a couple called Dale and Kathy who have taken this love that is Christ's love, God's love in Christ for us, and have welcomed into their house um, a young homeless teen called Emily. But there's another girl, young, young teen, called Isabella, who's in a very broken family, no father around, but is living with a mother who is addicted to drugs. And eventually, uh, Isabella just escapes the house where there's been a lot of abuse and finds herself homeless on the streets. And she remembers uh, that she'd encountered this Emily and she knew that Dale and Kathy had taken in Emily and thought maybe they might take me in as well. And so she goes and knocks on the door. And although not a wealthy couple, they take her in as well. And it's not easy But they require of her that she comes to church with them every single Sunday. And the first Sunday, she goes off to the youth uh, group. And she's just kind of standing with a face like thunder and arms crossed against the back wall of the room. And one of the assistant youth pastors named Tori goes up to her and tries to engage her in conversation. Um, And uh, the answers are monosyllabic at best. Uh, The senior youth pastor said it was like a dark cloud in the room, a dark lowering cloud in the room. And Tori says, well, I hope to see you next week, to which Isabella says, well, you probably will because my new parents are going to insist that I come to church. Every single Sunday, Tori would come and stand by Isabella and try and engage her in conversation. And eventually the monosyllables came to full sentences. 
And eventually Tori got to know that Isabella um, played the guitar. And so invited her to come and play in the youth group band. And since Dale, the dad, um, also was musically inclined, it was something the two of them could do together. And so she started to play in the youth group band. And eventually, she shared with Tori about how dirty she felt and how uh, all of her past, her sexual promiscuity and those things that made her feel less than human. And Tori responded, well, would you like to trust Jesus and experience his love? And Isabella broke down in tears, said, that's all I want. After months of being loved by a new family unconditionally and a church that didn't abandon her, Isabella decided she was ready to follow Jesus. And the senior youth pastor, Hank, said she went from being a dark, scowling thundercloud to telling everyone she couldn't stop smiling. See, that's how we love our neighbor. It's the outpouring of our love for God because he first loved us. It's what Paul is telling the Thessalonians. He's saying, listen, I didn't have an ulterior motive when I came here amongst you. I came here and, and fellowshiped amongst you. Was with you because I love God. And I want to share that love with you. That was my sole reason for coming, for going through all of the hardships. It's because God's love extends to you also. It's not about, as as I said in the class earlier, conversion by concussion. In other words, you can't play in the youth band unless you've uh, said you're a follower of Jesus. It's not beating people senseless with the gospel. It's about just inviting them into fellowship. It's about inviting and revealing the love of God in Jesus Christ in conversations. We don't need to explain the whole gospel story right up front. It's just about loving people where they are and drawing them into a different place to know God, to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So I pray that you would truly know how very beloved of God you are. He loves you so very much that he would go to any length at all to rescue you from death and bring you back to him and to eternal life. 
And he did. He went to the greatest of lengths to do just that. So to which of your neighbors, family or friends, do you need to show this love? Who is dying? Who needs to be rescued? All it needs is an invitation to church. God will do the rest. He might bring somebody else alongside. He might put it on your heart. But all it requires is an invitation into a fellowship that loves God and loves each other and is revealing that love. It might be an invitation to the chili cook-off or it might be an invitation to the retreat. It might be an invitation to Sunday service. It's, it's, not, it's not a hard thing. God will do the rest. You don't need to have them come and do an altar call and say the sinner's prayer. All it requires for us to love our neighbor is to introduce them in whatever way God leads you to, to the lover of all of our souls. May we be that community who invites into fellowship because we're also the community that loves God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind, and with all our soul, and our neighbor as ourself. Amen.